0: Philippians chapter 1, as uh, if you were not here uh, last week, uh, we are taking a detour uh, from 1 Peter uh, in Pastor Dallas's absence, and we are having a mini series going through Philippians chapter 1. When last week we looked at uh, verses 1 through 11, and this week for our area of study, we will be uh, looking at verse starting in verse 12, and we'll read down uh, through verse 18. So, If you will, follow along with me as we read the word of God this morning to hear what he would have to say to us through what he's already said in his word. So Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, we read, the word of God says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Will you go to the Heavenly Father, what a tremendous privilege we have, Lord, to not only have the opportunity to come and to worship your holy name this morning, but indeed have the privilege to sit under the preached word. Father, I ask that as we come now to this precious moment in our service, Lord, that you would bless the preaching of your word. Father, that it might not go in one ear and out the other of those that are listening this morning, Father, but that it may take root in our hearts, Uh, Lord, that we might apply it to our lives, God, so that in some way that those of us who proclaim the name of Christ and love Christ, that we would be found faithful and obedient to your very word this morning. So, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, and God, allow the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we may be attentive to that very word this morning, and we pray all this and ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, we are continuing our look at the first chapter of Philippians uh, chapter one, and last week, just to catch you up to where we are this week in verse 12. Uh, Last week in the opening verses of this chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi from uh, house arrest in Rome. And uh, we've seen in the first 11 verses last week, we looked at Paul's joyful remembrance uh, of the Philippians. He was grateful for their sufferings in the gospel with him. He was grateful for their partnership. In the furthering of the gospel with him, Paul was also confident, uh, but his confidence was not rooted and grounded in the people and the believers at Philippi themselves, but was wholly rooted uh, in God's sovereign and gracious work through them. And then he ends our passage from last week with a beautiful prayer uh, on behalf of the believers at Philippi, where he prays that their love would abound more and more, that their love would be characterized by knowledge and all discernment, making them pure and blameless uh, for the day of Christ, which would ultimately bring about glory uh, to God. And so all of that, just in short summary, uh, catches up to where we find ourselves this morning, here in verse 12 of chapter 1. And again, as we need to remind ourselves, Paul is in prison. As he is writing this letter, and there is little doubt that the Philippian church must have expressed great concern after they had found out that Paul uh, had been imprisoned in Rome. Uh, The text does not specify these things, but I think it is safe to assume uh, that there would be those that would have thought what a serious blow this has to be uh, for the furthering of the gospel, for the cause of the gospel. And no doubt there were probably others that uh, that would have thought our greatest preacher, right, a bold defender of the truth, the one who is being greatly used for the sake of the gospel has now been shut away, unable to teach us all these things. What do we do now? What do we do now? Surely this is the time when the gospel is going into a decline. So no doubt there are probably people saying these things here at Philippi. But I do not want to speak to it for everyone here, but I know for me... Uh, this is exactly what I would have been thinking, right? Uh, The Apostle Paul, he's in prison. What do we do now? How is the gospel going to continue to advance without the Apostle Paul? Well, contrary to how I might think, or contrary to how others might think about this situation, what we find uh, in our text uh, this morning uh, is an exact opposite reaction uh, from the Apostle Paul uh, that we find taking place here. And so what we're going to see here in just these few short verses is Paul's thinking, Paul's attitude here is radically different from that kind of perspective uh, of what we just mentioned. And so what we're going to look at this morning uh, is Paul's trust completely in the providence of God. And he trusts completely in the providence of God despite difficult circumstances and despite the motives of others. And he recognizes these things aren't hindering the advancement of the gospel, right? But the Lord is providentially using these things to indeed advance the gospel. So look with me again at verse 12. And if you're taking notes... What we're looking at first is Paul's trust in the providence of God through difficult circumstances. Okay, so look with me uh, at verse 12 again. He says in this opening verse, I want you to know, brothers. Now, in the first 11 verses, uh, we find Paul being a joyful servant. In our text this morning, we will find him to be an optimistic prisoner, okay? And here in verse 12 of our passage, he kind of, he kind of expresses his heart pretty quickly by saying, I want you to know, brothers, right? So what he's saying is that since, since you are concerned for me, as you must be, please do not be alarmed, right? In other words, what we are seeing here is Paul is not preoccupied with his own predicament. If anything, he is preoccupied with the well-being of the church, okay? And so he goes on to say in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, right? And so it's imperative that the believers understand here that Paul's imprisonment is not going to hinder the work of the gospel. The advancement of the gospel is not going to fall into decline, if you will, because he has been placed in prison. No, what Paul reminds the believers here at Philippi and what he is reminding us here this morning is that what is actually taking place is for the advancement of the gospel. Is for the advancement of the gospel. Paul is consumed with the unfolding purpose of God's plan. And so he doesn't respond to his circumstance by saying, well, I'm in a bit of a situation here. I'm in a bit of a pickle, as some might say, right? And I will be for some time. So hold the fort down, and then when I return, we'll get back to work. No. Instead, what do we find? He writes, what is happening to me is God's providential plan to further the gospel. And so what we find is that in every circumstance of life in everything that confronts the Apostle Paul, whether he is in prison, in chains, or whether he is free and able to move, he is always focused and always looking on seeing God at work. And friends, we should be as well. And so we see that in what is taking place here, all right? And to get a full understanding of this, I want you to look with me at verse 16. In verse 16, we read, the latter do it out of love, and this is the phrase I want, to focus, I want us to focus on here in the middle, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He says, knowing that I am put here. No doubt from the outside it may have appeared that the circumstances surrounding Paul had overwhelmed him. It may have appeared that everything seemed to spin out of control. It may have appeared that the wheels had come off, if you will, and chaos was about to happen. But he says in verse 16, I understand that I am put here. Friends, there is something that we should take from this. And it's this, it's that Paul understood without a doubt that every situation he was in, he understood that God himself placed him there. And that God himself is indeed in control of every situation that Paul finds himself in and that we find ourselves in as well. And we should understand that. The very situations we find ourselves in, regardless of what they are, whether they be bankruptcy, whether it be sickness, whether it be tragedy, God is in control, friends. God is sovereign, and he has placed us in those situations providentially for his good and for his glory. Amen. And so Paul wrote here in a confidence that was so unshakable that he understood that all of the events of life are under the sovereign control of God. He sees that. He sees these circumstances. He sees his circumstance as the outworking plan of a sovereign God which is why he could say, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And so, in fact, being a prisoner for Paul really was just another opportunity for him to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And uh, the idea here that he is conveying Uh, is the ability for something to uh, move forward, if you will, the overcoming of any kind of uh, obstacle. On Nashville Road, uh, heading into Franklin, uh, part of Kentucky, it is undergoing some construction. Uh, They are looking to widen the road there. Um, and It's been under construction for the past several months. And uh, every day on my way to work, I'm passing by, and uh, it's always uh, been interesting to me uh, the equipment that you'll see uh, out uh, on the road that they are using, uh, and a lot of it is pretty, some pretty heavy-duty equipment. Um, but if you've ever gone past uh, construction on the interstate, uh, there is a huge. Truck. I don't. I don't even know the exact name uh, of this piece of equipment, but it's this huge truck with this uh, dump with this bed in it, where it, where it, where it can carry all kinds of rock, all kinds of dirt, all kinds of uh, concrete. And on the front, there's this shovel-looking thing, right? Well, when you look at this truck, it seems like I mean uh, anything in their way will be removed. Uh, this truck could go over just about anything without hesitation. It could trample over anything uh, without hesitation, and nothing is going to slow it down. Nothing uh, is going uh, to stop it, right? But that's that's kind of, I, I bring that illustration out to say that's kind of the point that Paul is making here, is that although from the outside it may seem Uh, that Paul's circumstance is a stumbling block to the advancement of the gospel. He says, no, God is providentially using this as a stepping stone for the advancement of the gospel. And he recognizes that. And friends, that's been the unfolding of God's plan throughout history. He has used situations in which I might look at and say, how in the world, God, could you be working out your plan and yet he works it out you can think of Daniel in the lion's den right there in the book of Daniel what's happening what's going on there a 30-day decree was passed that if anyone if anyone was caught praying to another god or man other than the king himself he would be thrown into a lion's den Daniel he learned of this decree but it did not stop him from praying to the God of Israel, right? It did not stop him from praying. In fact, he was caught in the very act. And he was then thrown into a lion's den. Now, from the outside looking in, that looks like a hopeless situation. He thought, how in the world is God going to use this for his glory? Well... The king would then rush to the den the next morning to find that Daniel had not been touched. And indeed, Daniel uh, tells the king that an angel of the Lord had come and had closed the mouths of the lions. And in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 26, we read, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, his kingdom shall, his kingdom shall God. never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues, he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So God throughout history, friends, has providentially worked in difficult circumstances to carry out his plan and his will. And here, Paul tells us how he does that. He tells us how he has done that through his imprisonment. Look at with me at verse 13. And Paul says here, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ the good news of the gospel was about to step foot in the very household of the Roman Emperor and it was going to happen because of what God was going to providentially do with his servant Paul here in his imprisonment and what a beautiful picture that we are seeing here Paul is being chained up to various prisoners and the guards are switching up and changing shifts and that was Paul's audience they would have seen his patience they would have seen his kindness, they would have seen his courage, they would have even experienced his joy, and they would have also heard of his conversations. And God was using this very act as an advancement of the gospel. He was using the very imprisonment of Paul to advance the gospel as notice as he was being a witness that his very imprisonment was for Christ. He was making it known that he was in prison for Christ. Christ put him there. And friends, that's something I I just want to drive home this morning, is that God is in control of our circumstances. And just as Paul recognizes that here, we too should recognize that whatever circumstance that we are in, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in in life. God is in control. God is sovereign. He has providentially placed us there. and He is working it for our good, for his glory. I love what Charles Spurgeon has to say. Uh, In in this doctrine of the sovereignty of God, he says, The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the Christian rests their head. The sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the Christian rests their head. So friends, the good news news of the gospel was spreading through Paul uh, in this what may seem like a difficult circumstance, a challenging circumstance circumstance A circumstance in which I cannot even begin to understand how the gospel would advance. And yet, the gospel is advancing. And God is using this circumstance through Paul. And therefore, I mean, there's going to be things come about in our lives. Strange things that happen that God will use. To advance his word through his people. So often, I I myself uh, tend to assume that the circumstances have to be right, have to be uh, perfect if I'm going to be an effective Christian, right? Uh, I I so often tend to think that way. Uh, But this morning, what, what I want us to see here is that God is not waiting. For our circumstances to be right according to what we might think is right. Uh, No, he is using difficult situations, what we might consider difficult situations, or in other words, what we might consider wrong situations, right? If it's not a right situation, it's got to be a wrong situation. No, God is using those very circumstances through his servants to accomplish his will and plan of redemption. And we should rest in that very truth, right? That's what Spurgeon is saying. We're resting upon the sovereignty of God. We should rest in that truth that God will use our circumstances. So, friends, let us stop trying to focus on trying to change our circumstances, right? Whether they be political, social, or whatever situation it is, and let us recognize that God is sovereign, And we should be faithful to him and preach and proclaim the good news of the gospel, knowing and trusting that the Lord will use those very situations for his glory. Okay. Paul goes on in our text. In verse 14, we read, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We are seeing another beautiful thing here. That is, Paul is is spreading the good news of the gospel Uh, in his imprisonment. News then begins to spread about him. And no doubt these brothers that he's referring here to are hearing of that. They're hearing of Paul's faith and trust in the Lord to providentially provide for him in his his imprisonment, to provide for him opportunities to still spread the gospel. And no doubt they are hearing of these things. And then through the hearing of these things, they are becoming more confident themselves. They are becoming more bold to speak the word without fear. And they're not becoming confident because they're looking at Paul and saying, oh, look, Paul is, is, is doing all these things. He's, he's proclaiming the gospel in his imprisonment. And so they're not looking at Paul and saying, well, if Paul can be bold, so can we be bold. It's not. It's more than that. They're saying God is providentially using Paul, and he will providentially use us. What a beautiful thing that is. And so if God is able to provide for Paul in that difficult and challenging circumstance, then surely he is able to provide for us in these circumstances circumstances and so that was making the brothers here that was making them bolder to speak the word without fear and so this confidence was a confidence in the lord himself it wasn't just in paul it was in the lord working through paul that they were becoming more confident in and what a beautiful picture that is for us friends So we see God's working, providentially working through these difficult circumstances. We see Paul's trust in that, in God's sovereign work through these. Nextly, I want us to look at Paul's trust. Paul trusts in the providence of God in spite of the motives of others. In spite of the motives of others. Read with me again in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill, right? So here, the gospel is advancing. Paul says the gospel is advancing. I'm I'm here. My circumstances are less than ideal from a human perspective, but God is using this to see the guards come under the hearing of the gospel and the believers are being emboldened in Rome to share the good news of the gospel. And then he says in verse 18, he says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So even though the gospel here is advancing, the believers in Rome are becoming more and more bold to do so also, Paul notices a conflict. He notices a conflict in the motives of those who are preaching the gospel. And he categorizes them into two groups. One group, he says, of those preaching the gospel, do it from envy and rivalry. The other group, he says, do it from goodwill. He goes on to define that a little bit. 16, he says, the latter do it out of love speaking of those who preach with goodwill. And in verse 17, he says the former, speaking of those that fall in the category of of envy and rivalry, those, he says, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So what we have taking place here is we have one of those getting real moments, if you will. Paul is, is simply getting real here. And he says there are those that are preaching Christ with just downright bad motives. There are those that are preaching Christ from goodwill, having Paul's best interest at heart. But he says of the former in verse 17, they do it out of selfish ambition, looking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Here he's speaking of those that are, that are preaching Christ, but they're doing so, right, from selfish ambition. They're doing so to afflict him in his imprisonment. They are controlled by jealousy and by self-centeredness. They have a desire for position. They have a desire for influence, all while they are preaching the gospel. And something that those of us who have been entrusted with the charge of the gospel, uh, we have to face this reality of falling into self-crippling pride. This is a challenge that we have to face, wherein we can't rejoice in the fact that the gospel of Christ is advancing In another's ministry because we make it personal. And it's often done out of envy for the success over here with us rather than over there. And as a preacher of the gospel, we can do the right things, we can preach the right sermons, but God, knowing the very hearts of men, will recognize that our motives are wrong if we're preaching the gospel with those kind of and so we must check our motives. We must make sure that we are right in accordance with Scripture, that our motives are pure. And that just doesn't go for ministers. That goes for us as believers, as, the, as us who follow and love Christ, right? Whether it be going through the motions or to be seen by others and praised by men, what are the motives of our hearts, friends? Do we come to worship to be seen by others to lift, or do we come to lift our praise to the Lord? Do we come to prayer group on Wednesday nights just to have others here? How beautiful we pray, or do we come to seek the face of God with our fellow brothers and sisters? Do we have a true burden for others in in the church and those around us suffering many different things? Is that the motives in which we come to prayer group, or do we come just so people can and brag about how good our prayers are? So it's not just the ministers of the gospel that we should be guarding our hearts with these impure motives, but it's us as believers that should be guarding our, our hearts as well. So may we examine ourselves this morning. Examine the motives behind which we do things. Do we do things out of a true desire to know and to love Christ? Or do we do them just to be seen by men and for selfish gain? Well then, what is Paul to do? If some are preaching from wrong motives, uh, should he allow the poorness of their motives to uh, affect his confidence in Christ in any way? Should he allow the poorness of their motives to affect his commitment to see the gospel to advance? Well, the answer is no. He shouldn't allow that to affect him. What, what does he say going on in verse 18? He says, what then? What then, only that in every way, whether pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So is Paul saying here that he doesn't care about the gospel that is preached? No. Look carefully with me at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Verse 17. Right? Also speaking of verse 15, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition. He's not talking about the message that is preached. He is focused on the motivation here. Okay? He is focused on the motivation. They are doing so with bad motives. Christ is being preached, but from people with bad motives. But Paul says he can rejoice. He can rejoice because Christ is preached. Christ is preached in that he can rejoice. Because we know that Paul is not going to tolerate another gospel. He is not going to tolerate a false gospel being preached because we find him confronting that in Galatians chapter 1. And in Galatians chapter 1 verse 9 he says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And so Paul is not concerned here in our text with the message that is preached, but their motives. But their motives. And when he says in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, he is also not completely throwing out their motives uh, either. He is not saying that their motives aren't important, because what we'll find is when we come to chapter 2, verse 3, Paul confronts their motives. And he does so by saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more than yourselves. And so what Paul is saying here in our text, he's saying, I don't care if they're trying to rival against me or try to gain success or power or whatever it is they want. I just care about the fact that they're actually preaching Christ. God will take care of their motives. God knows their hearts. I don't need to worry about that. I'm concerned about the gospel going forward. I'm concerned with the message they're preaching, and it's Christ. They're preaching Christ, and in that, I can rejoice. What does it matter? What does it matter that they're preaching out of selfish ambition, right? God is the same. God is the one in control. And because Christ is being preached, God is using that to accomplish his plans. Okay? And what a lesson that is for us, friends. What a lesson that is for the church. What does it matter? If Christ is preached and the gospel is presented in a faithful way, presenting the true and only wise God and His plan of salvation revealed to us in His Word through His Son, then nothing else matters. God will deal with each one according to their motives. God will deal with each one according to His works. But He will use the very proclamation of the faithful preaching of the Word to advance the gospel. He will use that. Despite difficult circumstances, despite the motives of men, friends, the gospel will advance because God is the one advancing it. He is the sovereign. And just as Paul here recognizes that in this passage, that God is the one advancing the gospel in spite of his circumstances, in spite of the motives of others, We should recognize that as well. We should recognize that as just as Paul did. Because friends, regardless of the motive that I might have here this morning, if the gospel is faithfully proclaimed, the Lord will use that. I pray that my motives are not wrong here this morning. I do want to examine and be careful with that. But if the gospel is proclaimed faithfully, the Lord will use it. Because he makes a promise that if his word goes forth, right, if his word goes forth, it will accomplish that which he sent it to. Whether that be to condemn those in their sin, or to, be the, to save the souls of men. So friends, as we look at our passage this morning, are we trusting in the providence of God through difficult circumstances? Are we trusting in the providence of God through the motives of others? Are we doing so as Paul did? Because regardless of those things, God has and God will continue to advance the gospel. And he will get anyone out of the way that he needs to. But He will also place those that he can use to carry out his very will. Amen. Let, us, let this be a great reminder to his friends put our trust in the sovereign working of God, that his word will go forth, and that his plan will be accomplished, because he has promised it will happen, and we know that through his word. Pray with me this morning. Oh, Father, we pray this morning that you would write your word upon our hearts, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, Father, help these truths to take root in our lives and help us to be obedient those very truths. Help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to be found as faithful servants. As Paul recognizes himself in verse 1 that he writes in our letter to the Philippians, he writes he is a servant. And so, Lord, may we have that same mindset and may we be found faithful in that mindset, knowing that we are just servants of Christ. So Lord, we pray all these things and ask all these things in Jesus' name.